Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings... Mm -hmm. We present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar along with ESPN's Courtney Cronin. And we are here at TCO Performance Center following round two and three that were both uneventful for Minnesota Vikings fans. The Vikings did not decide to trade up to get into the offensive line party. They stayed at number 62 and selected Brian O'Neill and then traded out of the third round, and that's all we got. And, Courtney, at the end of the night, Bleacher Report, was it, gave yep. the Vikings a D-minus for their first two days. Uh, agree or disagree on D-minus? That's harsh, but, you know, I, I understand the reaction at the moment and people doing this kind of in a bubble um, but it really makes the Mike Hughes pick not look so great right about now because of when the run happened again. I mean, it, it didn't it didn't pick back up. It just kind of continued on from where it was last night, going out of the first round. And what we'll always do at the position where any guys picked in the hot, you know, anywhere really, is you look at who did they pass up to get this guy. 2013, who did they pass up? Or, you know, the year after that, they had Sharif Floyd, so they passed up on Aaron Donald. What are we going to be saying about who they passed up on? Is it going to be the Will Hernandez? Is it going to be Austin Corbett, the guy that they really wanted? Who among this really heavy crop of offensive linemen um, could pan out to be a better pick than that? And they could have traded up, but as we said, Rick Spielman didn't want to dip into 2019, and I think that was a mistake. So I want to pull back a little bit and just say this is a roster that went 13-3 and three and signed the biggest free agent quarterback and is in pretty good overall shape after signing Sheldon Richardson and adding Kendall Wright too. So overall, the sky is not falling. But in terms of how this draft was handled, taking the cornerback in the first round now looks like a big mistake. Yes. And I expected after I went through things this morning and ran a couple draft sims, but the conclusion I came away with was you're going to have to trade up if you want one of these guys because there are so many offensive linemen who are rated as second-round picks and so many teams that are always looking for good guards or tackles that it's very unlikely that all of them and the best-fit guys for you are going to end up at the bottom of the second round. Maybe in the past that would have happened, but this year is a little bit different. 
and teams just started going crazy picking those guys off the board, and the Vikings decided to sit there. I do wonder if long-term, even though I am generally against trading up in the draft for anything but a quarterback, I do wonder if in the long-term they will look back and say, oh man, you know, maybe we should have given somebody a 2019 third-round pick or something like that to go up and get Will Hernandez, James Daniels, or Austin Corbett, or any of those guys that are better prospects than Brian O'Neill. And I understand that he is one of the best athletes, and he was in my top five for guys that were the best fit for the scheme. So I do understand that his athleticism is rare and he may fit. But as far as a prospect, when a guy has that kind of athleticism and doesn't get selected with the top players at a more valuable position, tackle than guard, you do have to wonder about his tape if he was really a guy that you would expect to be able to plug right in there and play this year. That's the biggest takeaway I had. Both Rick Spielman and Jamal Stevenson said they never saw a guard class just go that quickly. This is kind of unprecedented. Because usually we talk about offensive linemen being these developmental prospects. And, yeah, spending a guard, you know, spending a top pick on a guard is never the sexy pick. Well, look what Indianapolis did yesterday. Look at what, you know, uh, Colton Miller Obviously, a different position to play and tackle. Look how high he went. That's These are such important positions to get in because you can just build around these guys as potential franchise players that I think they really should have. Now that we're looking back at this, they really should have taken you know the best guy there, which could have been Austin Corbett, could have been James Daniels, uh, Connor Williams, Braden Smith, who I know is not really a fit in the scheme. But anyways, all of these names that – you build your offense around in a type of, you know, what you're going to do on offense, what's going to make your passing game and your run game so successful at all points to the offensive line. And I just don't think that they took advantage of the opportunity to trade up is it would have been, it would have been costly regardless. This is unprecedented and they're, they're in the middle of something right now where um, I think they're going to look back and realize that that might've been stubbing their toe and overthinking this whole thing, thinking that, yeah, in years past, you could have gotten that guy in the third round, in the second round, the Pat Elfline pick that they love to hang their hat on. This year's different. It was almost like they didn't want to clean up the mistake that they made, yeah. that they just wanted to live with the mistake by going with the luxury pick. And what is interesting to me is my final draft simulation. And I know how I sound with this, like oh, my draft sim, but all the draft sim does is run different scenarios for me to look at. Maybe this could happen. Maybe that could happen. And in my final draft simulation, what happened was there was a run in the second round of all these linemen. So it was almost like the final draft boards, the guys who put them together were getting the sense that this could happen. And then it did. And in my draft sim, I ended up with Brian O'Neill because all the other guys got taken pretty early. And I, <laughs> it's funny. I was making fun of it on Twitter because the people in the comments were ripping me. You didn't come away with a good enough offensive lineman. And they were right. I didn't. And they're right that the Minnesota Vikings didn't. So now, Courtney, I'm looking at it like this for next year's offensive line. It does not sound to me like Brian O'Neill is ready Mm -mm. to be a day one starter. So now I'm looking at it as Riley Reef, Nick Easton, Pat Elfline, then Mike Remmers potentially at guard and Rashad Hill as your starting right tackle. 
How do you end up feeling about that offensive line? I looked at this earlier because, um, there, you know, there's so many combinations here. At first, you know, I, I tweeted something that was I didn't have correct initially. And some people are like, wait, you think he's going to Mike Remmer's going to stay at guard? This guy can't play tackle. And that's not, you know, to, to just to reiterate that. My thought is that you have to play Remmers back at tackle because there's no way that this guy is going to be ready week one. And, yes, Rashad Hill is a nice insurance policy, but we saw him get blown up there at the end of the year and really nothing get remedied uh, on the right side of the line. And Remmers was a better guard, I, I, I think, last year than he was you know, at tackle. But you need him with the experience he has at tackle. Um, he's your best option right now. And my fear is that if you put Rashad Hill at tackle, that becomes a revolving door once again. I mean, he's an excellent option for depth. I don't know if he's really their um, best option right now for a starting right tackle. So here's my thought. Because um, Rick Spielman's not going to allude to anything. You know, when you ask him about it, they're not going to – they're, they're going to wait till training camp. This will be the storyline, in my opinion, outside of Kirk Cousins, um, how this offensive line – once again, every, every year we go into training camp – new starting combination of, of five linemen. And every year, it's always the focal point of the free agents that they bring in, the guys that they draft. It's been a problem. So my thought, right guard, right now you take a look at the state of the offensive line. You just mentioned that. I'm just trying to pull up my tweet. So right guard, Tom Compton, Danny oh. Isadora, or maybe, the, you know, I would really like to hope that they're not done in the draft, that maybe they can get, I don't know how late round guards tend to, pan out undrafted free agents I think you got to sign somebody uh you know before camp because that's a huge that's a huge gaping hole to me but you could always let Remmers and Hill you know let Remmers play right tackle to start the season let this guy kind of get his feet under him then move Remmers inside to play right guard a couple games in until you know O'Neal's maybe ready or maybe at least ready to kind of do it by committee I mean the Everything is kind of like, what happened? Like, we're looking at this right now um, thinking it could have been so perfect. You know, you get your franchise guard, somebody, your, your next Billy, you know, your next uh, Pat Outline, if it's, you know, Billy Price, Frank Ragnow, um, Isaiah Wynn, those, those guys who are, you know, could really be a factor on the interior. And then it kind of just like, well, uh, that escalated quickly. So I heard something earlier today that Ragnow was one of the top players on the Vikings board, that they really wanted Frank Ragnow to play for the Minnesota Vikings, and they were a little surprised that he ended up going to the Detroit Lions as early as he did. And I was 100% with that. After watching Frank Ragnow tape, that guy is a monster, and I think he's going to be a really great player. All of a sudden, Detroit, by the way, has a fantastic offensive line now. Um, but aside from that, so Ragnow goes off the board, and it was almost like when he went off the board, they said, ah, it's okay. The other guys we have on our board, we can wait for. We can look for those guys down the line. Someone of our next grouping will be there when we get to the end of the second round. And they said, okay, well, let's just go with the corner then because you can never have too many corners. And it was almost like the simplest solution was the right one. The simplest solution was draft an offensive lineman, whoever the best lineman is at number 30, take that person. And that's who you plug in at right guard as your starter next year. And we never talk about this again. Instead, they almost outsmarted themselves. And yesterday when we were talking or last late last night, when we were talking about this, we kind of came to the conclusion that day one's grade will depend on day two. 
And now grade now day one's grade looks very bad, even if Mike Hughes turns out to be a relevant player. But if everyone is healthy, you're you're talking about him playing what thirty percent of snaps, forty percent of snaps. So maybe with both of these picks, you made the right move for 2019 or 2020. But this is a Super Bowl team right now, and this neither of these two picks really helped that. NFL 101. Win now. Do what you need to do to win now. Worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. I get it, and I, you know, we sound like hypocrites because I know both of us earlier were saying we like the pick on Mike Hughes. We're thinking about Trey Wayne's future. We're thinking about what happens with Terrence Newman. But because of the way they address the offensive line, I I just don't really think that you can be that high on that pick. And if this is a win-now league and your window to win a Super Bowl is so small, um, it's a problem. And I don't think – I think that they were trying to get too cute and think too far out and too far ahead. And I get why you have to do that because of cap situations, because of this bind that they now have themselves in with Kirk Cousins on the book for $84 million guaranteed. You know, they think two years out in terms of the salary cap. I think that that honestly is putting a little bit of pressure, probably too much pressure on their decisions in the draft. And let me just say this too. I actually like Brian O'Neill as a draft pick because he is a freak athlete. When you look at in terms of all the tackles who have ever played, most of the great ones are outstanding athletes of his caliber. And he compares to some of the best in the entire NFL in terms of his athleticism, like a Taylor Lewan, like, Mm -hmm. like that caliber of athlete. So I have no problem with that in a bubble, just the player that they got here. It's just how far along he is and what that means to this year. And if you go through the schedule for this year and look at the defensive lines, they've got to play. You've got to go out to L.A., who now has Indomitian Sioux on Mm -hmm. their team. You've got to play at Philadelphia again that still has one of the deepest defensive lines and added Michael Bennett to that group, a proven pass rusher. Seattle is still a a decent team on the defensive line. I mean, you've got a bunch of these teams, and Chicago even has a very good defensive line and has improved their defense by drafting Roquan Smith. So you are at a point now where you've got to be concerned about what this offensive line is going to look like. And you're at the point where still, where do you have depth? Does Tom Compton give you realistic depth? It's probably better than it was in 2016, but it is still going to be a big conversation. And they had an opportunity tonight or last night to end that conversation and say, Nope, Will Hernandez, our guy, right guard, all set. This is our starting five, and we are a good offensive line. And they did not accomplish that, which is just a big, a big failure for this team. Somewhere Jeremiah Searles is smiling, and and the Vikings are kicking themselves for not re-signing him or finding a way to make it work cap-wise. I know that you're not that that high on him, but oh my God, look at the depth of this team right now on the offensive line. It's a serious problem. You need Rashad Hill to not be playing right tackle because if Riley Reef goes down or if if Mike Remmers goes down, he has to be your plug-and-play guy. You needed... You know, I don't know what they're going to do at right guard. Now, I really, I mean, did Kirk Cousins work it into his contract somehow that his bestie Tom Compton is going to be <laughs> right there in front of him to his right? I mean, I don't, I don't see how this works out um, unless, I, I think, yeah, yeah, right now, and, I, and, I, and there's nothing wrong with the O'Neal pick. I know it seems like I'm kind of like, you know, crapping all over it at the moment. His athleticism is great. His ceiling is great. Two years from now, he'll be a good player. 
he still has a lot of, you know, a lot of work to do in the weight room. I mean, he's 6'7", almost 300 pounds. It's still kind of light, um, you know, just in terms of how big his frame is. you got to put you got to put mass on to be able to play that tall and that big um, in the NFL. And, I mean, he said it. Jamal Stevenson said it. Rick kind of said, yeah, I like where he's at, almost at 300. You're going to need to get him in the weight room because he's undersized technically, you know, just for how the length that he has to support that length. He needs mass. Um, but I just – I just am kind of dumbfounded now because I'm like running through the scenarios in my head of who they play at right guard. Um, you don't want these spots to become a revolving door. Right. You want the depth to be revolving. That's it. You don't want to, you know, when injuries were it t- it, five weeks into the season, this thing fell apart last year when Nick Easton went down in Chicago and then every single game, it was a different starting rotation until week 13 or yeah. Week fourteen, when they're in fifteen, excuse me, when they're in Green Bay, starting you know, him starting five is you know week one, for the first time in weeks, what happens? Nick Easton goes down and breaks his ankle, mm-hmm. so that's a, that's a problem that this team has had, and it's a problem they've addressed over the last few years. I don't, I think that you know with their depth, they need to take a look at that, but they really shouldn't be screwing around with your your every down offensive lineman. You, you should. You shouldn't be screwing around with that, and I think that they outsmarted themselves here because they could have had the guy, their guy. And, you know, that's it's not even to mention, too, there's other positions that they could have had their guy. They could have had tight ends. They could have had Aikens. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and now where are they at? I mean, even in the first round, you could have added to the offense a little bit there instead of taking a player that won't make a huge impact in 2018 and if we're talking about a nickel corner, him, Hughes potentially starting a nickel, I mean, there was 10 nickel corners who can play that position on the free agent market, and none of them got paid a whole heck of a lot of money. And there's still guys out there like Dominique Rogers-Camardi that they could add, but there aren't guards out there. I've looked on yeah. the free agent market. There, uh, there aren't guards left no. in this draft. Right, like. yeah. There's, and, and there really weren't – I understand – like, their plan was good. Okay, so don't spend a bunch of money on Justin Pugh because he's mediocre and he's hurt a lot. So don't don't pay him a gazillion dollars or any of the other free agent guards because they're not that great. So draft one in one of the best guard classes you're ever going to find. It was pretty simple. It was right there in front of you. And they rolled the dice and lost. And now I think the best scenario for the Vikings is either A – they think that Tom Compton is good enough. I don't think so. So, A, they have some combination of Remmers and one of the players with experience, or B, they roll the dice on O'Neal being ready, but not at tackle, maybe potentially at guard. And he's never played guard, as far <laughs> as we great, know, right? which is just awesome. Um, he had 37 consecutive starts um, at tackle. Some of those came at left tackle, but mostly uh, at right tackle when he was in college at Pittsburgh. But... That's a problem. And he says he's open to it. You know, that's great. He's, sure, you know, he's yeah. a team player. He played tight end. He moved inside. He's going to keep moving on in until he gets to quarterback so he can back it up, apparently. Um, but, no, I mean, I th- maybe. But, I mean, your hands and, like, where you're at, like, you know, at least he gets to stay on the right side so his hands kind of back up. But that's a huge transition, asking somebody who – is raw to begin with and has never played guard. I, I don't see it. And here's what makes this worse. Last year, as if there's anything left to make it worse, but there is. So last year, the Vikings had a quarterback who was 
pretty nifty in the pocket. And we saw that, especially I remember in the Atlanta game where he had some patience and he could make some plays down the field. Sometimes there's luck involved, but Keenum was a guy that could escape the pocket and he could move around. And Detroit game, I remember Rashad Hill had a very poor game against Detroit, but Case Keenum did a great job of moving around the pocket. You have a quarterback now who does not do that that well. got a quarterback who's good in the boots. He is good in the boots, according to Mike Zimmer, (laughs) but he is not a guy who can go off script and escape the pocket and make plays. You don't see that a whole lot. He can run a little bit as far as taking advantage of something obvious. Yeah, but he's not good at improving. That's never his thing. I mean, he's, he's, see, he's athletic to a degree because he can run RPOs. Don't don't get it twisted. Kirk Cousins can run RPOs. Is he going to ever get the run part? Probably not. Did Nick Foles ever get the run part? More times than not, no. But that's a problem because he's going to be back there and you know, he's going to be on his back probably if you don't get this figured out because he's, you know, he's very patient back there, which, you know, is a good thing in this for Mike Zimmer who's not, you know, he got worried a lot of times when Case Keenum would take off that's and true. um you know, make throws on the run that he wasn't too fond of. But I just don't think that this bodes for the type of quarterback you have. I don't think that the state of the offensive line and not putting the priority on it bodes well because Cousins doesn't have that part of his repertoire. And even one of his weaknesses that you see on tape is that Cousins sometimes doesn't sense pressure off the edge, Mm -hmm. that he leads the league in fumbles over the last three years, in part because he'll hold on to the ball too long. So. Like, you really need this to be shored up. And Keenum was very good at sensing pressure off the edge comparatively. I mean, that was something, you know, he was always really, uh, maybe, not, what was it, not the left side of the line. I think it was either, yeah, it was not the left side of the line that was good uh, sensing pressure. But, you know, coming from the right, that was, you know, his bread and butter. Except for in the uh, NFC Championship game where well, everything, fell apart. <laughs> yes, everything fell apart. But for the most part, and uh, you'd rather have Kirk Cousins than Case Keenum as a quarterback, but there are differences there with how they handle the rush and not shoring up this position in the draft is a mistake by the Vikings. I would just say this for perspective that the Seattle Seahawks were once given a C minus in the draft that they took Russell Wilson. So you never really know how these things are going to play out. And in a bubble, I think they got two good players that have a lot of upside and could make a big impact on the franchise long term. Mm -hmm. So those, those things are good. It's just for this year, if you went through all the things that could take this apart, that could derail this, great roster and make it so you miss the playoffs or whatever else. The number one thing is if the offensive line goes down, right? Oh, yeah. That's what happened to them. Is that not what That's happened to them in 2016? 100% is. Like, yeah. I mean, and I love when people t- tweet this at me when we're, you know, talking about well, what happened today, like, you know, all the picks they have the later rounds. Tom Brady was drafted in the sixth round. Stephon Diggs, the miracle man in the fifth. Trust the scouts. I'm not trust. I trust the scouts. I mean, day you know, day three picks four rounds four through seven are where that's where the scouts make their money. That's where they you know the prove it guys, the guys who back them up. That's where they come from. But the offensive line, I mean, if it's your top priority, we have been preaching this for months now. Mm-hmm. This is your top priority. Why did you not treat it like it was? Yeah, and if, if there was ever a year to break code, if your code was we're not going to trade future picks to move up. Break the code to get one of those guys, especially some that looked like really good fits like Austin Corbett. 
or James Daniels. By the way, on the concept of drafting guys in the sixth round, do you have that list in front of you that someone sent of their sixth round draft picks? Oh, the yes, last this years? is amazing. I mean, there's... It's, I've got a lot of tweets going through of people like just having an absolute coronary and meltdown, so it might take me 30 seconds okay, to find well, the, But it was a very good. The moral of the story is that there's one player on the roster over the last three years who's been picked in the sixth round, and they always have multiple sixth round draft picks. Do you have the list? I do have the list. Okay, you ready? Please read it. Yes. All right, the one player that's on the roster right now, do you know offhand? Uh, David Morgan. David Morgan. Yes. Um, here's the rest of the list. Oh, I drum, can't wait. Drum roll, please. Anto- uh, Anton Exum, who was, was in camp. Was in camp. His most famous moment as a Viking was is hurting, hurting Laquan, Laquan Treadwell. Uh, he did, Not laughing at the hurting he, a thing, but it was just the most ridiculous thing in yeah. the world. He did play in a couple games in his rookie year, I think, but go ahead. Kendall James, B.J. DeBose, Tyrus Thompson, <laughs> two of your favorites, Moritz Moritz, how did you, Bowringer, Bowringer, the German Randy Moss, Uh Um, that was before I got here, so it wasn't great with that. Great athletic traits, by the way, that's (laughs) not a joke, that's a real thing. And Matt's favorite six-round pick. Of all time. Of all time, Bucky Hodges. I'm really proud of myself for Bucky Hodges because I knew it before (laughs) I even saw him, that it wasn't going to work on the first conference call when he said he wanted to be a legend it was like oh well this ain't gonna work out i i just i wasn't even here and i still live through this story vicariously through you because they gave him randy moss's number and that had to be on purpose as a joke i think because of how he acted about himself (laughs) uh but isn't he with the jets now uh, yes pretty sure i tweeted i I screenshotted something and freaked out and sent it to you a few weeks he was with carolina briefly too and they also found out that he's not really very good Maybe someday down the line, Bucky Hodges will be good, but it's not this year. And it's so great that they have extra sixth round picks. Maybe they hit on one of them. Maybe they don't. But your goal in this draft was not to get extra sixth round picks. And the thing about their fourth rounders, I know that, you know, with Spielman's uh, the answer to why they traded down and out of the third round, that they want to be there high in the fourth round and they want to be able to get the second pick. Uh, in that round, and that kind of controls your day. You can either trade down, acquire more picks. I don't know if I really believe, you know, yeah, you can, you can, you, you miss all the shots you don't take, or whatever Michael Jordan said. I don't know. Like, you know. Did he say that, or did someone just put that on a Nike poster? Probably. I wonder and about then, that. And wasn't know, Wayne Gretzky the one who, did Wayne Gretzky say it first, and then Jordan just took it? At first, if you don't succeed, try, try again. I think actually Copernicus was the first one who yeah. said you miss 100% of the shots you don't <laughs> take. Well, he, saw, he talked about the other day at his pre-draft press conference about the, the magic number of 10, giving yourself um, as many picks as you can get. And, you know, you step up to the plate, try to hit a home run, and, you know, 50-50 chance. Well, the last few fourth-round picks, I mean, they've kind of been, you know, sack bunning here a few times. And let me go through them because I just – I went back to look at them, and I'm like, good Lord. Um, okay, so since 2012 – Jarius Wright was the only one that honestly panned out, and really even then he didn't. Um, Rhett Ellison, Greg Childs, and then 2013, Gerald Hodges, who was a great special teams player for the Traded New Orleans. Nick Easton, pl- so great. that counts. He was a part of the blocked punt. Oh, that's right, the famous the blocked punt. Can't wait till that podcast. No, no fifth round pick, fourth round pick in 2014. 2015, the famous T.J. Clemmings pick that one worked out. Um, even better one, 2016, Willie Beavers, who Traits. was cut, who was cut before 
the end, he's cut the, you know, the end of training camp. Right. Highest, and then brought back and then cut again. And highest player again. drafted to not make an opening day roster. He did play in a game, though. He had like four snaps against Detroit. Was that a, pre- a preseason game? No, in, no? A real, in a real game. After, so after he got cut yes. and came back. Okay. Yes, he came Anyways. back, and then they had like six more guys get hurt, and he actually appeared in the game. And then last year with Jaleel Johnson, who did not – I mean, they didn't really have the rotation down to where they wanted it. I know mm-hmm. that they would expect more out of him um, this year. I mean, he was the best guy – best defensive lineman, you know, against the pass last year going into the draft, but – don't really know what they have there, and you know you're playing Ben Gideon in your base defense, and that's it. It's not you're not. I, I just don't see any of these. You know you're touting. Oh, we're really excited about where we're picking. Um, you know in the fourth round, and yeah, it's higher than where they have in the past. Um, but even still, I don't. I don't know. I, I I don't see this as like oh great we got a bunch of fourth rounders like or you know a right. fourth rounder. They didn't have one, which is good that they got one. But I still think. I'm kind of cringing at that. From this point on, you never count on anything. Like, I'm glad you got Stefan Diggs, but you just never count on getting a Stefan Diggs. You assume that anything past the fourth round isn't really going to help you because historically that's how it goes, and anything that you do get is a bonus there. And probably wide receiver will be one of the positions they take because every so often you see a receiver become Diggs or Antonio Brown, but the most important part of this draft, the Vikings did not do what they were supposed to do and they deserve whatever grades they get. And then we've got a lot to figure out as we go forward. So not a great night overall for the Vikings, but I would just say again, that I am definitely don't freak out over draft guy. I think when you completely miss on what you were supposed to achieve, that's not good. But at the same time, we always have to see how these things play out because what you expect doesn't always end up happening. Yeah. that I mean, it just kind of has to be there in the small print because there have been so many draft grades that when they went back and redid them, they looked a lot different. Uh, but in terms of last year, I felt like we knew, wow, I mean, you got Elfline in the third and Cook, and this is going to be a good draft. And the general feeling right now is, should you trade Wayne's for a guard? <laughs> I mean, right? Like, what are you going to do for right now? I mean, right now it's looking like, I mean, this is this is kind of a hot take, a uh, retrospect oh hot boy. take. But it's kind of looking like the 2016 class, it didn't pan out, at least for the first two days. Those picks look pretty good. And and then that was kind of where the buck stopped. I need to go to bed. I'm so tired of yeah, this nonsense. Uh, I got to get out of here. It has been a long day. We were hosting <laughs> on the air like seven or eight hours ago, and I was doing draft sims at 10 a.m. So anyway. We'll see um, you back here tomorrow. I would say keep yourself somewhere between, wow, they didn't do what they were supposed to do, and burn down TCO Performance <laughs> Center. Uh, somewhere in between there is probably the right place to be. So we will be... Back again soon. I don't know if we're doing rounds four through seven. We'll see if something happens or if someone birds this place down. And uh, we will have plenty of more uh, analysis and looking looking at this. And maybe the whole draft. We'll do a complete draft. I can't look. wait to talk about seventh rounders that yeah. we've never heard of before. Yes, and who definitely won't be on the team. So, all right. Well, thank you all for listening. And um, Good luck with all this. <laughs> I mean, I just feel like we spent the entire time just throwing Molotov cocktails on this uh, draft. There are, lot, but, there are a lot of arson references right now, and I'm yeah, feeling very sorry, uncomfortable. Sorry, sorry. Uh, d- does this look, floor look flammable to you? And I think we how should get out of here before we have to find out. Yeah, no, uh, but... Uh, 
not not exactly what they came to do. So anyway, we'll be back again with another episode of the Purple Podcast. Thank you for listening. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.